Locked and loaded. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. The Dell Junior download in three, two, one. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. Uh, back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download here at Dirty Mo Media. And with me as always, Leah Vaughn, Matthew, uh, Mike Davis, everybody's here together. Um, another week of quarantine, another week of reading the news and staying up to date on how things are progressing uh, in the country. How's everybody doing? Doing well. I'm not reading the news. I have decided that I'm going through quarantining myself from news. <laughs> it's it's doing me. It does me better to not actually stay so up to speed on the news because there's just nothing positive, nothing good. For instance, the Tigers catching COVID nineteen. I started freaking out over that, and I'm like, why am I freaking out over the Tigers catching it at the Bronx Zoo? I've never been watching to- Tiger King. <laughs> I'm just I, like I don't know why I'm doing it, and so I've. Changed my notifications. I'm not going to be getting news updates about Bronx Zoo or Tigers or anything else. I'm going to try this out. I think it's going to work. Leah. Uh, I actually had a period of time from about two o'clock on Saturday until about 11 on Sunday where I had no cell phone service. We camped out for the first time in my life down at the farm and we were kind of down by a creek with limited to no cell phone service. And it was wonderful. Matthew. God, that's awesome. I wish I was doing that. No, um, I basically did yard work all weekend. I missed the iRace on FS1. I missed about everything this weekend. I did about 70 bags, loaded and unloaded about 70 bags of mulch and uh, just yard work, man. Nothing exciting here. Nice. Well, I mean, yeah, being stuck in the house isn't going to be all that exciting at times, but um, it's given us the opportunity uh, to get creative, you know, so that's, that's, um, that's something that, that I've found uh, interesting from my house is uh, just the other day, yesterday, actually, in a, we had a, a neighbor have a calf, a cow get loose. Um, so riding around on the, uh, on our gator, uh, trying to sort of help them track this animal while also keeping our social distancing measures in place um, was interesting. And, and, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll get up in the morning, we go outside, we walk around, we might get on the gator and take a lap or, or, uh, or you've been getting out back in the swimming pool now, the weather's a little bit better because I want her to be the best swimmer she can be. Uh, and I am, I am, I did have a couple days where I didn't look at my phone, uh, particularly looking at it for news. Mike also, you know, we can take a look at our uh, screen time now. We've been a week since I have changed uh, my settings to where my phone goes to sleep. And I know it's got to be way down as far as the hours I spend. I think last week I had eight hours that was of screen time on my phone. Um, but I, be, I went a couple days where I didn't count, you know, look at the numbers. You know, how many has been, effect, been affected today? How many in New York? Oh, the um, COVID numbers. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I went a couple days without looking at those numbers. And, uh, you know, because I spent, you know, the last month, watching all the countries, the curves, and, and who's, who seems to have a grasp on it, who's struggling. And obviously, we were, uh, we were really rocketing up there with our numbers. And um, so I was kind of watching that every day. But then I took a couple of days of not looking at that information. Uh, I got back kind of plugged in yesterday at how things were going. And I have had some, uh, you know, seen some good reports about 
um, things getting a little more stable and uh, some of the numbers going down, not only for uh, the United States, um, but overseas as well in Europe. So um, any news at this point, um, any kind of news of any kind of, you know, drops in the numbers is, is, is good news in my mind. So hopefully, you know, and you're hearing from everybody, uh, you know, the people that, that are important uh, to listen to, you're hearing that they feel like that the peak is really just around the corner for this country. And um, I hope that's the case. I hope that we are, you know, only weeks away from seeing things improve. So uh, I'm, I'm still watching it. And, um, you know, I kind of, I, I, I sort of dedicated like one moment in the day, whether it's when I wake up in the morning or when I go to bed at night, whenever that is to, to, to check in, you know, and see how the rest of the country is doing and then, you know, go about my own business. But um, huh, it's been good. It's been a good week. Um, I wonder, you know, this is something, and Matthew, I promise you we're not going to get into a 30-minute discussion over this. But I did wonder, as I was talking to my daughter about this, I said, you know, this is something, when it's all said and done, you'll, you'll remember this for the rest of your life. And, you know, I had a great aunt that we always used to just um, admittedly make fun of because she would always save everything. But then we found out she grew up in the Great Depression. And so, like, when you grow up in a Great Depression, you don't just waste things. And we were so wasteful, you know, this, that, and that. It's just like leftovers at a restaurant, you know. And she's, she's swiping the sweet and low packets off the table and putting them in her purse. And we're like, Anna, Anna, come on now. This is a little, little much, you know. We got a reputation as Davis is here. And so it's like, but you grow up in a time when, when it alters your social norms and how you act and how you do these things. And, 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 and I told Gracie, I said, you know, you'll remember this. I said, I, I'm curious on how we have changed when we come out of it. Is it, you know, are we as chatty when we go to the grocery store? Right now, when I'm at the grocery store, head down, I'm wrapped up like a mummy. And man, anybody gets within the six feet of me, I'm, I'm, I'm like getting mad about it, right? And I'm like, that's so weird, right? Why am I like that? And yet, it's, it's because I'm being overly cautious of it. And I wonder when it's all said and done, if we're going to go, you know, here's a good one. Shaking hands. I'm telling you, I'm a handshaker. I mean, I'm handshake, big hug, but chest bumps. I mean, I see, I don't even have to know you really. I wonder if I'm going to be a handshaker after this is all said and done, or if we're just going to be like. <laughs> I can already tell you that it will be a long time, no matter what I read in the news or no matter what anybody tells me about how things have improved. It'll be a long time before I have that trust uh, to go out there and interact with my friends even. Um, you know, so I, I think that, you know, this is, this, this will all be determined on whether this becomes seasonal. Uh, you know, we have to deal with something like this year round or, or, and, you know, annually uh, this, this virus uh, returns. That would certainly make things very, very challenging and difficult for everybody. Uh, if this is not a, you know, not something that we can eradicate entirely, but I, um, I think it'll be a long, long I'm, I'm, it'll be a long time before I trust, you know, to be able to go out there and mingle and interact in, in, in a real casual, carefree way. But, um, you know, to, everybody will handle it differently. I'm sure we'll see as soon as they, you know, as soon as somebody says, hey, everything's fine, everybody can go back to work. Um, yeah. You know, you're just going <laughs> to, floodgates are going to open. People are just going to, the parks are going to fill up. Uh, arenas, sports arenas, everything is just going to be 
everybody's going to snap right back into it, which is great. And especially for the uh, economy in this country, it'll be great. I'm excited about that, to be honest with you. I'm excited yeah. about the world getting back to work and, and uh, seeing everything take off and, and improve and, and uh, the economy ramp back up and get going again. I hear you. All right. All right. We got our guest on the show today. My sister Kelly's going to come on here and tell us about, you know, how things are going for her, obviously, and her family. But also, you know, she's uh, she kind of at the helm at the wheel of junior motorsports. And uh, we'll ask her also how she's handling that as a, as a business owner and what kind of challenges those, you know, those business owners are facing in the sport today. And she's got a new book out, out today. It's, uh, it's something that I'm really excited for her to talk about and I'm excited for people to read. And we want to give her opportunity to, uh, to tell us about that book as well. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or the neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Dalton, this probably sounds real familiar to you. It does. I just bought a house last year. and You know, you asked, uh, why can't all this information be in one place? Well, now it is. On Homes.com, they've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. All right, everybody, we've got our guest here. Kelly Earnhardt Miller has joined us today on the Dale Jr. Download. Kelly, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. We got a lot to talk about. I know. First off, uh, how are you uh, handling quarantine and everything going on over the last month? How's you and your family doing? Well, we're hanging in there. Uh, the kids are bored out of their mind. Um, I've got uh, one doing school, and it's only taken them an hour to do his schoolwork. So I'm a little concerned why we're going to school for eight hours or six hours. And my uh, daughter uh, has their her school has not scheduled schoolwork. So. Um, we're getting a little antsy, but we're doing okay. It's uh, getting some working from home and doing a few things outside and getting some more quality time together. So you can't complain about that. Yeah, I've um, I've really, really enjoyed uh, being at home a lot. And, um, you know, as someone who's traveled a ton in, in over the years and uh, even, even now with my new job at NBC, um, this has been um, a lot of fun for me, just spending a lot of time at home. And I can imagine, I mean, you do got to get creative and uh, I kind of like that challenge too, but um, have you and, and your, your, you know, have you and LW and the kids all gotten along really well? Is the tension high in your house? Uh, what's, what's the, what's the temperature? It just depends on what day it is. Um, so uh, the, the temperature was really good until my daughter Kennedy came home from California uh, for <laughs> she's been living with her dad for this semester. And um uh, something she wanted to try, and so we kind of had our rhythm going on, you know, me, L Dub, and and Wyatt, just uh, the threesome there in the house, and uh, so she's come home, and and it's been a little challenging at times, but you'll have that. She's a teenage girl, so 
Uh, those out there with teenage girls will totally understand that. And Dale, you'll understand that one day. Mike Davis, you'll understand that one I'm day. starting to understand Matt it Dillner, now. you too. <laughs> I'm starting to understand <laughs> Earlier, it. I think. Yes. Yeah. It starts earlier these days. I am starting to understand it now. And one of the things, I mean, because I've got a fifth grader and I'm curious with you. I mean, I know why it's schoolwork. I wouldn't expect to be too challenging. But right now, I'm having my own fun trying to figure out fifth grade math problems and that kind of stuff, because now she's into fractions and stuff. Has anything from the schoolwork stumped you? I mean, here it is. You run a company and, and, and you know, we're all supposed to be smart people. And yet nothing can be more humbling than struggling over your kid's schoolwork or if they tell you what the answer is supposed to be. Well, we're only in second grade uh, with Wyatt, so it's not very challenging. Uh, you know, we're doing some, I don't know, eight letter spelling words and, you know, writing sentences and doing uh, double digit math and things like that. But uh, yeah, nothing that stumped hmm. me yet. But um, when Kennedy gets started, I, I can uh, probably attest that that'll be difficult. And uh, I know a lot of parents are out there struggling um, because either, either, they're trying to do it online with their kids or they're trying to teach their kids the concepts and different things. And, and the schools are all doing it very differently. And some kids I know are, are really, you know, six to eight hours a day, which sounds astounding to try to, if you're a working parent, if you're in the healthcare and you're still working, or if you're trying to work from home and you're juggling the noise and all the different That's things you're trying to get done. Yeah. You know? It's it's the juggling. Yeah. The juggling <laughs> is very hard yeah. to work and, and teach them and entertain them. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Kelly, you have, um, you know, you're heavily involved in the day to day at junior Motorsports, overseeing pretty much every aspect of the company, uh, from top to bottom and, um, nobody better than you, I think, give us a real understanding of what these teams are going through through this process is as we sit around and, and hope for the uh, virus itself to, um, to improve, and the, uh, the state that the country is going in, uh, the state that the country's in right now, we hope for that to improve. It's also had a huge effect on businesses. And, uh, you know, NASCAR is not immune to that. The companies and the, uh, the teams are not immune to that. So talk about that a little bit, about what kind of challenges that Junior Motorsports is facing right now to maintain, uh, you know, whatever they can until they can get back to the racetrack. Yeah, you know, the first week, we've been out of work now three full weeks, um, and uh, so the first week for me was, like, real emotional. Just, you know, anytime there's unknown, there's fear thrown at you, you're not sure, you know, how you're going to uh, do your job when you can't do it the way you've always done it, right? But since then, three weeks later, it's just like doing this podcast, uh, you know, we figured out ways to communicate, ways to do things. I think the folks that are struggling the most are, um, you know, our actual mechanics and the guys that go on the road and the crew chiefs and, and the actual competition department of motorsports because they can't really do anything. And they're all itching to, to be working on race cars. And I know from conversations that we've been having with the crew chiefs and, and some of those folks that that's been really difficult for them. Um, their home life is probably a little crazy too because they're wives and kids aren't used to them being home. And, and while you want the extra time, it's a different dynamic when they're there all the time. So, um, you know, I've just heard a lot of different things from them. Um, and, you know, for the most part, we're chugging along and working. Uh, it's been a struggle to figure out with not knowing when NASCAR is going to race again, how long does this problem exist and, and how long can we keep things in play like we're trying to do and, and keep people paid and, and all of these fun things that um, 
you know, as a business owner, you have to think about how far is your cash going to go? What's your cash flow look like and different things like that. So uh, we've been, you know, looking into doing all kinds of Excel spreadsheets and things like that, trying to figure that out. But with the unknown of when we go racing, it's really difficult to kind of figure that part out. With, um, with the opportunity of, you know, Fox or, um, you know, iRacing to be broadcasting events on Saturdays and, and Sundays. Um, there's some small opportunity there for uh, your partners to get a little bit of uh, exposure. Um, how seriously are the teams addressing that, uh, accepting that opportunity? Um, where's JRM, uh, you know, kind of fit into that category of using this, this sort of unusual method of, of creating exposure and engagement with fans? Yeah, you know, um, it's, uh, that's been a great opportunity to, to have iRacing. And uh, I was laughing yesterday at OW, who's sitting on the couch watching the Bristol iRace. And he gets up and he goes, I can't believe I'm sitting on the couch watching a computer race, you know. <laughs> and then he goes right back to the couch and sits down. And, and it was about 16 laps to go. And, and uh, I was trying to get him to get up and do something. And he's like, no, there's only 16 laps to go. <laughs> To answer your question, though, yeah, it's a great opportunity to uh, to try to plug and play your partners. You know, on the cup side, I think with the drivers, um, uh, most of the drivers that are in the series are running their sponsors, which makes a lot of sense. And for us, having uh, you doing the racing, uh, we can, you know, pull partners and do different things with you uh, where it makes sense. And then uh, Justin Algayer and his partners, you know, so um, we can give some love to the other people that are uh, associated with Junior Motorsports, too. But you know, the rest of it kind of works the same, the social media engagement and the marketing pieces of it and the fun things and creative things that you can come up with to, uh, to, to try to uh, engage the fans, uh, you know, works no different than when we're on the racetrack um, and, and when you're watching the race on television. So just kind of figuring out those, uh, what do you call them, liveries? The, Not paint, the paint schemes. The liveries. I call them paint schemes. Yeah, the liveries. <laughs> Yeah, I use the word livery uh, just because I know it's probably going to get under somebody's skin. I don't really love that <laughs> word either. Paint schemes is what I like to use. But um, yeah, it's, it's funny because this whole thing's thrown everybody for a loop and we're all having to get creative on how we communicate and, and uh, um, how and, – and, and the iRacing thing has, you know, been a nice blessing. I know I've been a huge uh, supporter of, of that service and talking about it all the freaking time, but uh, – it has been nice to to have that as a bit of a way to deliver to our, our sponsors and um, give them some content, some sort of interaction, engagement with fans. Uh, Kelly, um, you know, you've been in some of the discussions with, uh, you know, with, with NASCAR on, on their plans and, and what is NASCAR doing? What is the sport doing as a whole to help our teams or to help um, kind of keep things in order and, and, and keep everybody positive? About, uh, about about the future. Yeah, I mean, you know, essentially they've just said, you know, reach out if, if there's anything we can think of that we need. Um, uh, you know, but I think they're kind of holding information close to the vest in a sense in terms of, uh, you know, dates because they don't want to get anybody too hopeful. Um, you know, I was just saying to someone last night, this, this scheduling thing is going to be very difficult. Uh, I was listening to... Um, uh, Trump say that the NFL schedule, they thought that, you know, they would go off on key in August 
And the California governor said, not in my state, um, you know, we'll listen to this, 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 and this and decide if, if that's appropriate. So, you know, you're going to have this federal government thing. You're going to have the state governments and all this kind of stuff playing into uh, what NASCAR. And I think NASCAR is just standing by, kind of taking it all in, not trying to get ahead of it, um, you know, really listening to uh, whomever they're, you know, officials are that uh, are giving them the, the, good, the best information that they can. And we're just all kind of trying to take their lead. But, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really, really hard to be in a holding pattern. It's uh, really difficult when this is what you do and this is your life. Thank goodness we have some other facets to our business like Dirty Mo Media and, um, you know, some other things that uh, kind of can take your attention away. And I've got something big going on. Yes, you do. You've got a big thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, we, we we wanted to get to that uh, part of the conversation, so now's a good time. Yeah, let me show you. Today is the day. You are uh, you are officially uh, going on author. bookshelves and an author. Yeah, yeah an author. That's- First off, um, you know, tell us the name of the book. Tell us where we can buy this book. That's most important. Yeah, right. So it's Drive by Kelly Earnhardt Miller, Nine Lessons to Win in Business and Life. And uh, if you go to kellyearnhartdrive.com, there's all the information that you need to know on on, uh, different outlets that are carrying it. I said it's going to be so difficult. Um, You know, Amazon's going to be your friend because obviously online shipping, uh, I think a lot of the bookstores are doing online shipping too. So BAM and Barnes and Noble and places like that. Um, We're doing copies as well on shopjuniornation.com. So people can go to our website, but um, this is, I've really fretted up until this day of the book release, not because I'm nervous to be releasing a book, but under the circumstances of everything that we're um, facing is, uh, you know, I wasn't sure what to do, but um, my book I have a feeling that people perfect. are reading more books now yeah. than, than usually any other time yeah. of the year. So this may be a blessing for, for authors like you coming out with new material. Also, there's, you know, aside from the physical copy of the book, the online orders as well. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to know, Kelly, um, you know, have you always wanted to write a book? You know, you, you've seen, I've have had a couple book opportunities. We just recently did one, uh, but also did one years ago earlier in my racing career. So you've kind of been able to watch that, po- you know, that, that sort of in close proximity play out. Um, is, is writing a book or being an author about your story because there is a lot of personal information in this book about your childhood and so forth um, that I think is going to be awesome for people to read. Was writing a book something that was always in the back of your mind or is this something that come around over the last couple of years? Yeah, no, I've really never thought about writing a book. And um, to be honest, it was a conversation with your book publisher um, uh, in one of our meetings that uh, she looked at me and she said, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, well, you know, not really, but um, you know, if I wanted to talk about something, this is what I would want to talk about. And, and you alluded to uh, a lot about growing up in our childhood. And really, it's kind of the relationship with our dad um, that I speak a lot to. And for me, um, I never really thought about putting that out there. But, um, you know, through years of uh, feeling like, not that I really knew I was making the mistakes then, but in my in my relationship with LW, I knew that I did not want to have another failed marriage um, when we first met in 2010. And so I started going to therapy uh, in, you know, a couple years into our relationship with our kids and having a blended family. There was just lots of different reasons. 
And when the, the reason that we went to therapy first was for one of the daughters. And then I ended up in my own therapy, which was cool. Um, and uh, I think everybody in the world needs therapy. That's just my own personal opinion. We all got something that we need to talk out and work through. Um, and so kind of going through that process is really um, what led me to thinking that now's the time and it's okay because it's kind of putting a bow on my healing process and uh, my, my thoughts and experience. And I was nervous about, uh, you know, our dad is an amazing individual. I, I can't, you know, stress that enough in terms of, um, uh, he, you know, he accomplished so much on the racetrack. I mean, we all know it, right? And I mean, he, he had a heart of gold. Uh, the relationships that he had with most everyone in his life were really positive relationships, but he really seemed to struggle being a dad. And he really seemed to struggle with the relationships with his children. And, um, and that's what I wanted to talk about, you know, is for, for part of my process. And so that's what I share. And that was really difficult um, thinking about talking, uh, you know, for, for somebody that the fans love so much thinking about and speaking about him in that way. But I think that they'll find it um, that they'll, I think they'll understand, especially if you're parents, you get it. You know, I think it's, um, it, it's nothing that's, you know, too negative. It's just my experience and that's okay. You yeah. Know, I can talk about that. So tell me you, you know, I, I know that I've read the book and I've gave you, gave you some feedback and I'm sure LW, your husband has read the book and gave you feedback and other people close to you. Um, who has read the book? You don't have to really give me a name, but you've, you've had to have had people read this book that are outside of that circle of trust uh, to give you some more genuine critical feedback on just what you were concerned about the intimate details of your childhood and your relationship with Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. So who, what is the feedback been from the, from what you would perceive the, you know, the every man or the, the, the neighbor next door that's going to buy or read this book. What's the feedback from that person been like? Most um, of, you know, that, that really don't know the story um, have said that they feel it's very respectful. They get it. Uh, a lot of people have said at the time that we were being raised, this was kind of the way of parenting, right? We're in a whole <laughs> new age of parenting uh, these days. And, um, you know, that, you know, this, the way that our dad parented and the discipline, now I think it was a bit extreme, but the discipline that he uh, imposed on us and some of the different things that, uh, that we experienced, um, you know, so many people just say that was, kind of the way it was and, and they remember yeah. their own fathers being that way or their father's fathers being that way and things like that. But um, I haven't had any negative feedback out the, 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 the true test I think will be our race fans. Those loyal Dale Earnhardt fans that get a different, um, uh, get something different that they, you know, that it's not been touted about him being a father. Right. So they know him as a racer. They know him as a badass racer. They got all these descriptive, great descriptives for him. So they'll be the true test. I can, I can give you mine. Uh, you and yeah. I haven't talked about this and I don't know where I fall into that category that Dale speaks of, but I'm going to tell you the first time I read it, we were sort of in the uh, process of which we were looking for typos, right? Kelly, you gave <laughs> yeah. it was a manuscript. And so I didn't read it on the personal level in which it's written. I read it from a complete editorial type thing. When I read the book, you gave me a book and it was really special and you had a nice sweet note in it and I, and I really enjoyed it. And, and I read it again and 
my God, how personal it gets right off the jump, man. And, and P and, and so here's my takeaways. First of all, it's not a, it's not a racing book. And also I wondered, uh, you know, how are you going to bridge the gap between having such uh, detail to your childhood and the issues that you're carrying and making it a business book, nine lessons to win in business and in life. And the, and the, and the reality is, is that you can't not tell that beginning part if we're going to understand who you are and how you evolved into the business person that you are. Secondly, I feel like there was a moment in the book where your dad got it. We just hadn't been able to see it. And it was when he sent you flowers at college. It made me even tear up because he missed you. And I thought that this is very human moment in which you're seeking a relationship, like a deep personal relationship with, with, with someone that you haven't got it from. And that moment that you got the flowers was, uh, it was touching and it was a very human. And I think that opened up into what's buried within the tough exterior that, that everybody knows is Dale Earnhardt. Deep down, we knew that that's what you'd been looking for. And I just didn't seem to come out a whole lot. And you had been looking for a lot more. The one part I will say that blew me away and, and it blows me away probably because I was around for it. I just didn't know it. And, and that was the, the issue that you would have had in the DEI situation when your dad's gone, you're now taking over Dale Jr.'s business in the, complete change of dynamic in the conversation that happens in the conference rooms at Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, which up until then, nobody had Dale Jr.'s voice. Nobody was looking out for him. And now there's an advocate for Dale Jr. And that person is you. Man, I, I, I could feel the tension in the room just reading the book. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't imagine how awkward it was when it's yeah. like, they're just not used to having somebody go, no, that's not what we're going to do because this is not <laughs> in the best interest of Dale Jr. That takes yeah. somebody strong, uh, courage. I mean, the dyna- it just and, and, and now it could really process to me because of what I had just read in, yeah. in the childhood and how, how the, the role you had to play, the glove you had to put on your hand to now do it in this new job was extraordinary difficult extraordinarily difficult and i can't even imagine being there in real time yeah there's two things i want to address that you said you know one was um you know the story about the flowers and really so you know that happens when i'm in my third year of college and which i'm probably 21 2021 uh 20 because dale came to my 21st birthday at my new apartment uh in concord when i moved home um but 20 and so then we lose our dad at 27. Um, I do think dad, you know, we have a younger sister, Taylor, who's 16 years younger than me. Um, raising her, I believe, you know, gave insight to dad where opportunities that he missed with us. Yeah. And I do really believe that he was working to kind of forge those relationships and, and different things like that. And, and, you know, Dale, uh, going into NASCAR and, and that was really great for their relationship because they could bond over something that, you know, uh, they could talk about and do. So I really do think that that was coming and then we lost him and we just didn't get that opportunity. You know, we didn't get that opportunity to make amends. Um, and you know, Dale, uh, the DEI stuff, you know, dad was Dale's advocate and, and that was fine with Dale. I mean, Hey, sure. It was all going really well, you know, of course. Uh, Dale, dad could be the voice, um, when, uh, you know, he needed to speak up with Teresa 
And I think, you know, that's obviously what we lost. I mean, that's what we lost from a family standpoint, from a business standpoint, was that voice um, to kind of be that liaison between everybody and Teresa and dad. And, um, and so, yeah, I stepped into that role and, and, um, which I kind of had always uh, been that person right now. <laughs> the, yeah, the lunchroom or military school or. <laughs> yep. But Kelly is the, the fact that, uh, again, you put, you put so much detail into the way the, the weeks and months leading up to uh, February, 2001. And the fact that you had a baby and he, you know, where he's showing Carson around is, uh, yeah. is so moving, but you had some stuff, some stuff left unsaid when he died. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's something to carry for the rest of your life. And I can't imagine as easy. Do you feel like you've hit no, is, is knowing that he was making amends in places, has that been enough to kind of get you at a place of, uh, of forgiveness or at a point where you can move on with it? Yeah. You know, what helped me the most was going through therapy and realizing that, you know, the way he did things was just the way he did things. And he didn't have anybody else telling him any different. And that's what he thought was okay. I can remember stories that um, my aunts would talk about Ralph, their dad and, and dad's dad. And, you know, how he was just, I mean, he was a hard nosed father. And so that's what my dad lived under. And then, you know, we have dad and, and, and a couple of different marriages and a couple of different kids coming out of that in different, different situations. Um, and so what I learned through therapy is just, that's okay. And what I learned is that that's, I wanted mine to be different. You know, I wanted my relationship with my kids to be different and understanding that. And so that's how I'm okay with it. Really. There's, there were let, things left unsaid that really bothered me for a lot of years, but giving him grace and giving him that understanding that that's just what he knew, you know, um, that you really, it's, it's hard to fault him for it and be angry about it when, after you go through therapy and you kind of see how the minds work, you know, and how it all goes. So, yeah. so Kelly, we, um, you know, I think we all would really appreciate you being so open and honest about that part of your life, but the book is about your success as a businesswoman and, and your approach to, um, you know, how you, how you handle and approach your business uh, and your professional work. So give us a little bit of an insight on what readers are going to learn or what, how they'll be enlightened by that particular part of the book. I mean, it is, you know, the book itself is uh, about, you know, nine ways to be successful in your, in your profession. So tell us those, you know, tell us, What's going to enlighten the fans when they read this? Yeah. You know, I think everybody will see the relationship between um, the first part of the book and, and the time that we spend in talking about that and the nine lessons to win in business and life, right? Because they're all things that kind of stem out of, of just my experience. You know, I can't really say it any differently. Being authentic, being approachable. I don't know about you, Dale, but I feel like, you know, a lot of our life was lived um, where we maybe had to be something that we really didn't want to be. I mean, you went through years of dyeing your hair and rebelling and things like that, you know, because we were, times it was like we needed to conform to a certain thing, right? Being uh, the kids of Del Earnhardt. And, um, and so being authentic, being approachable, you know, being approachable is very important to me uh, through my relationship with my employees um, and letting them know that uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'll do the same job that I asked them to do. If they need something, come to me. Sometimes it even bites me because, uh, 
they'll skip their supervisor and come straight to me. So uh, sometimes I can be a little too approachable, I guess. But, um, you know, and I talk about letting go to move things forward, customizing your communication, kind of knowing your audience, who you're talking to. I think that's really important. Um, I talk about aiming for the win-win. And that's a lesson that I learned from dad uh, in, in, um, in life was really, you know, that um, a win-win is really needed when you're working, especially in our business with partners, that, that they get something out of it, we get something out of it so that we can kind of forge a long-term relationship. But you know, I talk about managing your emotions and balancing work and life. So they're all kind of applicable um, lessons that, uh, you know, kind of make sense when you read the whole thing. But, um, and, and Mike can, Mike, Leah, Matt, they can all, they can all attest to whether it's true or not. <laughs> right guys. Well, listen, when you talk about approachable, that to me means I can literally holler from my office out to your office. And even when yes. I'm not hollering, you still pretty much hear everything I'm saying because I'm not the quietest person, but you are extremely approachable. Those things, it, when you read that book, they all make sense to us as employees. I hope that that is the situation for people to be able to um, understand that who are not your employees. Cause that's the, the, because I think that there's some really good lessons that people can apply. Um, even if they do run a staff, like they need to, yeah. they need to understand that. Like this is a leadership book. Um, yeah. I think, you know, it's a lot about just relationships with people, right? All of them can be kind of applied, whether any kind of relationship. So it can be a family relationship, personal work, business, a partnership, you know, uh, B2B, whatever, it, any kind of really relationship. It's what it all boils down to, doesn't it? I mean, when in everything yeah. is relationships, people want to be treated well, they want to be treated fairly. And then the, the but also you want to be treated fairly in that there's an expectation uh, for somebody that has a job, there's an expectation for you to fulfill it, you know, with your best possible, uh, you know, talents and whatnot and skills. And if you don't, then there's a, uh, there's, you know, there's repercussions for that. But I think you, yeah. I think you're extremely fair. And, um, I mean, it's a fantastic book. I mean, people need to get this book and there's no better time to do it than right now, because I think there's a lot of life lessons that, uh, can be applied anytime. Yeah. Really good. Um, uh, time to read books for sure. I've been, I've pulled out a few myself that I want to try to get through, but, uh, you know, um, I, I really think that even if there's just one nugget that someone gets at, you know, that my book is not, you're not going to read this and then like go out and just be Mrs. or Mr. Successful, right? There's just something in here that will probably, you know, tug at your own heart or your own mind. That's something that you can put into play um, that works for you because everybody leads differently. Everybody's success is, looks different. Different. And, you know, so, so I just want people to understand it's kind of my experience and, and, um, you know, hopefully there's a nugget in there that uh, they can learn. Well, I really think you did a great job putting your book together. Thank you. And I'm really uh, excited for you to receive the feedback from it. It's really going to be more than, then you can imagine it's going to be more to you than you even know um, when people come to you and say exactly what you just said. This is, this really stood out to me. They're going to bring to you the book. They're going to bring to you stories about how it's affected their lives or how they've taken that nugget or, or this piece and, and applied it to yeah. themselves. You're going to love that. You're going to love Seen that, that experience. from your book, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're going to love it. It's just a, Yeah. You are open and honest and, and transparent, and, and we, we love that about you. Uh, and I'm hoping that also, like you say, not only is it going to help some people, I'm hoping it helps you, hoping it gives you some um, some so, satisfaction. And, well, they say close the book. 
yeah. that whole situation. <laughs> I felt like it did. Well, hopefully you write. Yeah. Hopefully you write another one. We'll you know, see. Hopefully it gives you. Yeah, hopefully it gives you some motivation to, to do more. But um, we appreciate you coming on yeah, today, and hopefully, hopefully everybody at home stays healthy. And I know that you are also. Um, you know, we can't thank you enough, Kelly. Uh, as as a few of the employees here on this show, um, I think we speak for all the employees at Junior Motorsports in saying that we really, really appreciate your leadership and the tough decisions that you've had to make throughout this process to keep this company afloat and to keep us to where we can continue whenever that happens, uh, going back to the racetrack. So um, from everybody at Junior Motorsports, we are just so thankful for your leadership. You are so tough and a little bulldog (laughs) and uh, you just do such a great job at at leading our company. So um, everybody is, is, you know, I know everybody uh, doesn't have a direct connection or direct line to you maybe in these, in these times, but um, we can speak for them and tell them, tell you that um, you're just so appreciated. So um, yeah, thank you for coming on and uh, enjoy your, enjoy your week. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Bye. Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. I like that. It's like a theme song, Leah. All right, guys, we are (laughs) live-ish. There it is. (laughs) It was loading. All right, we are here on YouTube Live. It's good to be back. Um, This is Ash Jr. presented by Xfinity. Dale, the first question is coming from Gabe Roush. Do you see eNASCAR earning a regular televised spot after the pandemic is over? Seems like there are a lot of people getting into the show. You know, if I had to guess, I'd say no. Um, you know, drivers, once they go back to their real jobs, aren't going to want to, um, you know, they're not going to want to put the time in. A lot of them aren't uh, sim racers at heart. And so I don't see them wanting to put the time in. There won't be any necessary or need. There won't be a need for the organizations, uh, the partners to, to do that as well, because they'll have the real thing. Um, I still think that there would be a little bit of a demand for it, uh, you know, and, and, you know, but not as much as what we're seeing today. You know, right now, nobody has any sports. There's no live sports. Um, you're getting a million 900,000 to 1.3 million people tuning in to watch these virtual races. But once the real thing comes back, I think you've got to cut that number by quite a bit uh, uh, in demand. So uh, I just don't know if it'll, it'll 
maintain or, or, or any, even any kind of, you know, resemblance of it will be around once we go back to racing. Um, but there is the Coke series, uh, that, that, um, you know, are the, the real pros of the iRacing service that runs every, every other Tuesday, Junior Motorsports has a team in that series that runs with Michael Conti and Brad Davies as our drivers. Uh, these guys are better at this than anybody else in, in, in the real NASCAR realm. Uh, and they're, uh, they're fun to watch. So, uh, you know, that series is annual and, and we're right in the thick of it uh, every other Tuesday on enascar.com is where you can watch that. So that will continue. And uh, for me, it's a better, it's a, it's a better show. It's, you know, it's a lot less crashing and goofing off and, and wrecking and carrying on. And uh, those guys are going for um, a lot of money. So uh, there's a $300,000 purse in that, in that championship uh, for those drivers. So it's pretty uh, lucrative for them. Bandit Productions is on YouTube and they want to know, um, what are your recommendations for old races to watch during the pandemic to pass the time? You know, whatever you want to watch, watch. I don't really know that um, I can tell you what you want to see, but if I want to watch an old race, I'm typically leaning toward the 70s. Um, you know, I lived uh, to see the 80s and 90s and, and present day. Uh, what I wasn't around for was anything in the 70s and before. So I try to – I tend to usually go toward that to see something – you know, obviously that I've never seen. And also the personalities from the seventies, David Pearson, Kelly Yarbrough, Richard Petty, the Dodge, the, the Chevy Laguna, um, all those cars, you know, they look like exactly like the car on the street going around the racetrack. It just was the, the, to me, the most, um, you know, it's just an incredible time for our sport. So I go to the seventies, but, um, you know, eighties were great too. I watch, I got a lot of those races, uh, to be able to watch anytime I want. So, um, you know, everybody has their kind of decade they, that they appreciate the most. All right. Amber Bitten wants to know, if you could have a famous actor, uh, virtual voice as your spotter, who would it be? Tom Hanks. I think. Mike, what do, what do you think? It's a good one. Tom Hanks. What about uh, uh, James Earl Jones? James Earl Jones. I was about to say it. James Earl yeah, Jones. No kidding. We were watching or, Field of Dreams the other day, and just the guy's got a vote. Morgan Freeman, I think, you know, yeah. between those two. I don't two. know, man. Morgan would be too quiet. <laughs> no, I don't there's, know. I, I'd, give, I'd like my chances. I don't even know if I can do an impression, but it would, it would right. you know, there's a crash in turn three. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's better than I got. <laughs> He's off the track. It's clear. I don't know. Um, who who played Harry Hogg in Days of Thunder? Oh yeah, uh, I can see him. I don't know his name though. Oh my! And he's God. literally my favorite actor of all time. Robert yeah. Robert yeah, Duvall. 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 Yep. I was yep. getting mixed up with Mike Duvall. Sorry. He'd be uh, Robert Duvall. Be a good one. They should get some uh, you know some some actors to voice over that. I go with Sling Blade. <laughs> oh. Why, why would you want something? <laughs> I reckon you're clear. Okay, you're obviously not somebody that needs to be in iRacing. You cannot take it seriously. You're gonna get you're gonna get disqualified like like Daniel Suarez every week. I reckon you call us that wreck. Mm. <laughs> oh my. 
Next question. All right. Uh, Nathaniel Stallnaker, he says he just watched a video about your dad's offer to drive the Indy 500 in 1995. They also said he might have tested an Indy car later that year. Is there any truth to that? Do you know? Nah, not that I know of. I think we'd all know that. If, if he'd ever drove an Indy car, there'd be pictures floating around the internet and all kinds of crazy stuff. But, um, you know, at that part in his career, I could understand him turning it down. I think when you're 20 uh, or 30, uh, years old, you're young, you, you know, you're, you're fit and, and ready to rock and, and go drive or do anything, man, at, um, you know, in your forties, uh, you don't quite have the physique for an Indy car. I mean, trying to climb into one of those things is not the easiest thing in the world. Although, uh, you know, AJ Foyt was in one for quite a while. Um, but dad, I don't think was, was up for the challenge, uh, at that particular point in his career, physically, mentally, and all that. So, you know, so I think if you'd asked him when he was in his 20s, he definitely would have jumped at the opportunity. Um, next question is from Zach Robles. Uh, what's one skill that you would like to learn in the future? Golfing. Um, you know, I've, I've always kind of, you know, a lot of people that I know, a lot of my friends, golf. Uh, people remember Sean and Sonny, close friends of mine. They've been in a couple of uh, one of the, the nationwide commercial and so forth. Uh, they play golf. Regan Smith, my friend Brandon Suggs, um, Michael Waltra, Latart, Rick Allen, they all play golf all the time, you know, and I never go, never would go. Um, I have a golf sim here at the house and uh, should be playing on it more often to probably get myself into better golfing shape uh, and get better at playing and striking the ball, but um, I'd love to be able to go out and casually play golf and, and somewhat enjoy it. You know, I know, I know it'd be easy to get competitive and frustrated and all that, but um, if I could just be marginally better, I think I, I'd be able to go and have fun with my friends and not, not put, not be too hard on myself, you know, and just have a fun time out on the course. So hopefully one day I'll put the time and effort in. I mean, that's all really it is, is just putting down, uh, putting that effort in and, and, putting it on the calendar, go do it. A lot of people on the YouTube chat asking, you know, what's going on at home. Do you have any new animals and you know, how is, how's everything with the animals in the, on the ranch? Dogs, uh, are great. Um, you know, this is, this has been their life, uh, as long as they've been around. So nothing really new. They're loving it cause we're here all the time and able to play with them. Um, you know, the Buffalo, all that stuff's still going strong. Um, no new animals, but, uh, you know, we, it's, it's warming up outside. So we're spending a lot more time outdoors now, uh, as opposed to earlier, uh, a month ago. And Isla is a really good swimmer. And so with a pool right here in the backyard, I really want her to get more comfortable with the water. And so we're swimming a lot this week, this past week, we've been swimming. We'll swim a lot this week as well. Um, but I love to get her in the pool and she loves it, loves it. And so, um, she just has the best time. Um, and we got her, uh, we borrowed an old sandbox. I don't, I think it might've been a sandbox, just a plastic thing, you know, on the legs, uh, holds maybe a couple bags of sand in it. But, um, we got that out there and she's playing in the sandbox a lot too. So, uh, I think it used to be Carson's sandbox when she was a little girl, but, um, uh, so basically, I mean, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's not a lot to do. I mean, I'm on these phone calls all the time, um, Skyping and FaceTiming and doing interviews and meetings and 
we got some pretty cool stuff coming up this week. As a matter of fact, we got some great stuff coming up this week with NBC. SN, uh, there's going to be an iRacing component on the NASCAR Americas all week long. This is racing week in America on NBCSN, so there'll be a ton of racing stuff, uh, old races and so forth. And Wednesday uh, is a day that I'm going to dedicate to, to interacting on you know Twitter and so forth with what you're going to be seeing on the programming. Um, there'll be a lot of races on there that have some sort of a, a play on my career or some connection to me. So uh, on Wednesday, I'll be quite active on Twitter, but uh, NASCAR America each day is going to have an iRacing component involved in it. The short track showdown or short track challenge um, is, is uh, what it's called. And so we have a lot of racing to do this week and it should be pretty fun, but you know, trying to race on the sim and have fun and running those races on Sunday, you got to practice for them. You got to put in some laps, especially to, to get good at tracks like Bristol. And we got Richmond coming up in a couple weeks. And um, so I've been trying to spend time on that. Um, balance the time that I spent on the sim with Isla and Amy and um, Amy's been cooking a lot. Uh, so we've been making a lot of meals. Uh, she's a great cook. So she's been having some fun with that. And it's been an interesting uh, experience around here, but things are really good. All right, guys, that's it for today. Uh, thanks to everybody on YouTube for joining us. And thank you to Xfinity for being a partner on this. So we had another race this week, um, Bristol. It was a bit of a different experience than we had at Homestead in Texas. And I will go off of Jeff Gluck and his tweet of, was it a good race or was it not a good race, as proof that maybe Bristol wasn't quite the, um, the positive experience for everybody that we had at Homestead in Texas. And, it, and, and from my vantage point, it was pretty fun up till I got dumped by Garrett Smithley. I gave him a little grief for that, but it's all good. Um, you told him to eat a turd if we're being very specific. <laughs> hey, heat of the moment. I was really upset. I'm sitting there riding in ninth place. I'm thinking, you know what? This is not too bad after everything that we've been through. I sped on pit road and screwed myself, lost all the track position that I had. That's the most realistic Bristol moment that I can imagine going into the virtual world is that Dale Jr. sped on pit road at Bristol. Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I've sped a few times, not quite as often as Denny Hamlin, but um, I think that, you know, it was fun. We had heat races. They were good. Um, and you know, there was a lot of cautions in the race, but it's, it's a lot of these guys don't have a lot of time on the system. A lot of them aren't putting in the time. Some are, you can tell who's putting a lot of time in Kyle Busch, um, Ryan Priest, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Look how much he's improved over, over since Homestead. Um, a lot of the guys, they're, not getting in there and practicing during the week until, you know, hours before the race. And so, and that's fine. You know, they can, they can approach this however they want. So they're, you know, they're going to have that type of experience or a bad negative experience if they don't, uh, if they don't try to improve. Um, uh, you know, but it, it was, you know, it was a, a bit frustrating to have, have a lot of cautions. And then when, when you're on, when you're in network television, you know, they're, they're in commercial. The caution comes out. They go to commercial. We're ready to go back to green. We come by and get the one to go. And, and race control adds another lap because we're not back from commercial. They did that multiple times. That is the most annoying part from a driver's perspective is to be sitting there getting caution after caution after caution. And then on top of that, they're adding extra laps to the cautions. You want to go ahead and get going again. 
and, and in most cases, they're adding two laps to the caution process, two additional pace laps. Um, and that's a, that's a bit frustrating, but they, they want to wait till the commercials are over to go back to green and they time that out. But, uh, you know, there were some drivers getting frustrated, um, and, uh, Bubba Wallace up and, uh, quit right in the middle of, of his race. So we have two resets. We have the, if we get crashed, uh, you can come down pit road and your car will automatically be repaired to brand new. Uh, and you go back out there and and can compete. And in this particular race at Bristol, they anticipated more crashing. They wanted they're afraid that one of the big names in the field will get wiped out and not be able to compete. And so wiped out early in the race. And so they want to give these resets to avoid that. And so they had two resets at Bristol. I think that they didn't need two resets, but they did. They had two resets for everybody. So everybody that's crashing just keeps crashing, right? They crash their car and they get the reset and keep crashing. Uh, Whereas if we didn't have the resets, the crashers would weed themselves out. Sure. They're going to take out some innocent bystanders, uh, bystanders at, at times when they do that. But the field gets smaller, less crashing happens. Then we get the long green flag runs uh, that they're hoping for. Um, but yeah, Bubba got into a wreck with Boyer and ended up cra- uh, ended up crashing and and quit the game. He caught a lot of grief on that on social media. Uh, caught, a lot, caught a lot of grief from his sponsors. People sponsoring him in this race uh, were were very upset and even went on Twitter and uh, got pretty brutally honest with it. His sponsors um, went on Twitter and called him out for quitting. Yeah, you didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. they said. No, I stay. Yeah. I stay off Twitter right now. So like, Blue I, I didn't see Emu it. Uh, is their sponsor. Leah, yeah, Leah's I'm looking for it right here. Wow, that's yeah. something. Right. They there. were sponsoring Landon Castle for the last couple of weeks, and now they picked up Bubba for this weekend. And they're actually a sponsor, I believe, on his yes. Cup car in real life. Wow. So they they are partner of his at Richard Petty Motorsports. So this has ramifications mm. that are really really. Um, run a lot deeper than just this simulation and, and have a little fun on Sundays with Irish. Well, there's like articles out there, Dale, that he lost, you know, might have lost his sponsor. Did, did, uh, did the sponsor just mean on iRacing? You know, like, I don't know right now. You know what I mean? So, no, yeah. I don't know. Well, either way, it's not, it's not no. good. I didn't think what he did. I saw, I went back because I didn't see the race because I was doing yard work and I went back and looked at his yeah. reaction, the replay of it. And I didn't think it was that bad. All right. Here it is. So Bubba tweeted, you know, bahaha, I'm dying in my mentions right now. I ruined so many people's day by quitting a video game. Um, a video game. Damn quarantine life is rough. And then Blue Emu responded with a gif that said, it was like, Donald Trump, you're fired. And then GTK, which I, I would think is got to know where you stand. Bye bye, Bubba. We're know. interested in drivers, um, not quitters. <laughs> Who said that? Blue Emu's Blue Twitter Emu. account. Blue Emu said, oh, wow. Yes. That's something. I mean, listen. It's heavy. It is. So, you know, mm. I think that before, uh, you know, there's plenty of time for uh, Richard Petty Motorsports uh, to, um, you know, for them to get in a room and talk it out and, and sort this out. And I'm sure it most likely might not have an effect on their partnership uh, uh, going forward, but, you know, I think that there is, you know, when, if they're, you know, if they're giving, if they're putting a commitment in for Bubba to, to be a competitor and a professional, I think that he, he didn't uphold his end of the bargain on that side of it. 100%. So, um, 
you know, regardless of what you feel like his reaction was, was not that bad or, or, or uh, whether he was right uh, or wrong. Um, if you're a sponsor and you're saying, you know, okay, man, we're going to, we're going to, he had, you know, we, they sent him a decal pack and, and all kinds of things to visually uh, have their logos around in his webcam as they, as they, you know, they did that with Landon as well. Um, they're putting an investment in this. They want to get the best return they can on that and not a negative, uh, not to be, you know, put in a negative light. Um, and I think that Bubba, Bubba crossed that line. So, you know, I think it's unfortunate. I know Bubba, but a lot of people don't. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of people are going to, that's going to be their first impression of Bubba or that's going to be the only impression that they have of him. So um, it's a, it's a, you know, and it's easy as heck to cross that line. It's easy for Bubba to do that. It's easy for anybody to do that, especially with video games. I don't know what it is about video games that bring the worst out in people, but I've been a, I've been that person. Uh, I've been in Madden leagues with TJ majors and a bunch of other people and God, I've wanted to quit so bad in the middle of these games that the guys running the same exact play over and over and over and just rubbing it in your face and you're losing 55 to 14. And it's the last thing you want to do is keep playing the second half of the game. But you have to. You have to play. You have to finish. It's a, it's a code. It's a, it's a respect for everybody else that's involved. Um, it's respect for uh, Blue Emu or whoever it is that's sponsoring your car. So – you know, I think that he could have handled that a whole lot differently and a little bit better, but. This is interesting. I'm learning it for the first time, right? I didn't catch all this on Twitter. I wasn't even able to watch the race. So this is interesting because I would bet, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, I would bet this brings out two sides. One is it's it's a gaming and you guys are taking, you know, sp corporate sponsorships are coming in here and messing up something good. Is that, you know, maybe that's one person's take or whatever because, you know, what started off is just, just good old fun drivers getting together. Then there's the other side that you just said is that, listen, there's a, there's, you know, sponsorships and there's expectations and maybe this is a mismatch of expectations. Bubba Wallace thinks this is just something that he's doing voluntarily, not getting paid for it. Whereas the reality in just a span of a few weeks, in fact, I would even say in one week, this thing went from perhaps just a good voluntary fund to a small business or, or a large business if you're iRacing. But right now, like when other sports are hemorrhaging, NASCAR is actually finding ways to continue the business of it. And therefore you have to treat it like you would real racing because there are expectations and sponsorships and people to satisfy. Cause Dale, you said in the first week, you thought you were so proud that you ran the filter time paint scheme. And you thought that a lot of people were forced to run paint schemes that they didn't want to run or whatever, but that's because instantly sponsors are having to use this platform to get some bang for their buck while we're down. Um, like it or leave it. Bubba just quits like it's, you know, just in any old video game. Yeah. When Bubba, Bubba just didn't see the big picture. Exactly. And that's it, you know, and it's easy to be trapped in your home quarantine in a bubble and not see the big picture. I get it. But somebody should say to Bubba, Hey, there's a lot more on the line than what you're aware of. There's people's lives, uh, livelihood uh, at stake here. You know, keeping these partners happy keeps money coming in the door and keeps this guy employed or this guy employed. Thank you. Um, and so those are the, you know, those are the things that I guess I, I think you have to think about is if you're a racer 
um, for an organization, maybe you don't love sim racing. Maybe you're not a big fan of it, but your organization is pressuring you into competing. You have to take on the role of, hey, my job is to do whatever I can to help our organization to, so that we can keep our employees and keep this thing going. I want to do everything. In your mind, you got to think, I want to do everything I can to help us bridge the gap till uh, from quarantine life to real racing again. And that's what this is doing. This is really, this is, this is really doing that. It's, it's, doing not, that. Yes. it's, not, a, it's not an idea that it's doing it. It's not a hope that it's doing it. Um, so, and by the way, don't take Dale Jr.'s word for that. And anybody listening going, that's just Dale Jr. because he's an iRacing advocate, or that's just us because we're just going along with it. We learned from our own sponsor when Dale Jr. ran the Hellman's car last week at Texas, our sponsor was ecstatic with and so appreciative of the return they got for us running that paint scheme. We don't take our word for it, take it from the people that spend the money themselves. You know, I know that the, the organizations across the sport are being put in a position to, you know, to make these hard decisions on employees, right? They are. Uh, and some have already had to make those decisions and may, may have to make more. Uh, you know, we, everybody's literally living week to week on numbers and projections and, and, and hope and possibility of when we can get back to the racetrack with fans or without fans or whatever sooner or later, whatever. And if you can extend that partnership another month, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever, if you can give them deliverables on, on social media hits, TV viewership, there's a million people tuning into these races on Sunday or whatever NBC is going to be doing during the week. There's viewership there as well by the hundreds of thousands. So that's, this is a real opportunity to do that you know and i think that as a driver that's how you have to approach it even if if you're if you're having fun great have fun with it then you love doing it if you're not in love with it just remember about the people's lives that you're affecting by being a part of it and 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 get in and get in there and and grind it out and uh you know and try to try to uh you know try to have some fun with it try to make it as fun as possible and um just to you know and i'm sure that bubba's going to and we're using Bubba as an example here, but there's other drivers in the series that are that are going through this process as well. But you know, Bubba's going to make Bubba's going to think about it and do it differently next time. And you know, there's other things going on too. You know, we got um, there was a race on Saturday. Uh, think about this one, and 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 th- I, this is just news to me coming in. But um, there's a race on Saturday uh, for Xfinity and, and truck guys that was broadcast on. Um, social media on enascar.com. There's also a series called The Replacements that's been put together by a lot of industry guys, spotters, crew chiefs. Um, there's a mixed bag of people that compete in this replacement series that also streams on the internet on uh, uh, every other Tuesday. So a couple of different industry initiatives uh, that also hold races for fans to watch and opportunities for people to see their uh, their drivers on the racetrack, but the partners as well to get that experience and opportunity. Unfortunately, in either one of those series, I don't believe that the Ford guys are allowed to compete because the cars they are using are not Ford manufacturer cars. Oh. So, yeah. So this is getting oh. more serious by the week. So the replacement guys 
the replacement series is racing. A, they just chose to race street stocks at Myrtle Beach yeah. this week. No four guys are allowed to compete in that, from what I'm hearing. In the race on Saturday that the industry or that NASCAR and iRacing and, and Fox are putting uh-huh. together, uh, whoever's involved in that, it's basically the truckers and the Xfinity guys and, and a few other mixed in there to compete. They ran at Bristol Saturday night and had a great viewing audience. A lot of these guys are streaming on Twitch and using this opportunity to, to keep their partners happy. No four drivers were allowed to run in that because the car itself, even though you can strip every single logo and brand identity from it and decal it and paint it however you want, the body is an old uh, Chevrolet but They body. don't have any other options uh, for the street stocks? I didn't know. There is no, no – the, the street stock in iRacing is a Chevy Camaro. That's it. Wow. Yeah. There's no, uh, you know, even in trucks and Xfinity, in those classes, they don't have all three manufacturers across the board. Only in the Cup Series, I believe, do they have all three manufacturers to be able to accommodate um, Toyota and Ford and Chevy. Um, so it's been, it's been pretty interesting. That's just another sort of, you know, in the first week or two of doing these races and actually putting these on TV and broadcasting them, it was the Wild West. You know, everybody's just kind of going on, there was no written rules and everybody was just doing and trying to, trying to give something for people to see and watch and enjoy. And after a few weeks, yeah, man, it's starting to get, um, it's starting to get heavy. You know, manufacturers are, are pushing buttons and, and, and networks are pushing buttons and owners. And I'm, I'm hearing from drivers in some of the organizations that they have, they still have team meetings every week with this crew chiefs, engineers, just as they did while they were racing on the traditional NASCAR schedule, that they're planning practices, that their drivers are, are mandatorily expected to compete and practice in together, that, that, that they're all hovering over this in the same manner that they did to compete and run well. And basically, drivers, like you've seen, I'm, I'm only assuming this. I haven't spoke to anybody, but Brad Kozlowski and Joe Ligani show up for Bristol after taking a week off. Um, I would assume that that was because their, their organization and partners said, Hey, we'd love you to be out there. If you're going to, you know, if everybody else out there and a million people are watching, we need you to be out there. Right. Um, I can imagine that that, that expectation or pressure, whatever you want to call it is the same across the board for guys at HMS, Hendrick Motorsports for Gibbs guys or whatever. And so, um, you know, and they're also expected to run well, right. Um, not only are they wanted not only are their partners and sponsors and owners wanting them to be there, but they're also wanting them to be up front, you know, and, and how do you go to a, you know, an owner or a sponsor and say, well, I'm just not good. You know, I haven't, I haven't got 10 years of sim racing experience. I'm not going to run in, you know, I'm not going to go out here and just win like William Byron or, or run in the top five every time uh, like Timmy Hill. Um, I feel like I'm pretty decent at it and shoot, I kind of struggle against some of these guys, but uh, it's really uh, been an interesting social experience experiment uh, to be honest with you uh, for, for the, and to, and to watch it from my vantage point to see the industry navigate it and, 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 and evolve as we go. is pretty interesting. And I don't know what that means uh, for this going forward. You know, we're going to – we have Easter break, but I believe there's uh, conversations about having a race, even on this uh, Sunday, and uh, which I, if they do, I'll, I'll be in. I'll compete in. 
and then we'll go to Richmond and we'll continue to Talladega and on through the schedule uh, as, as for forever, how long, I don't even know how much longer this is going to go, but um, it's interesting to see how it's changing so rapidly over the last couple of weeks. Your guys thoughts. I got one thought that I thought of when I was watching some replays of racing the other night, because I was watching a replay of a dirt race. I racing. I don't know why I've been, I never thought it would get to this, but it made me think of something. And I had a few conversations about this the past week. There's no sports going on right now. And we're the sport that's doing something on a national stage, on TV, all that. That's great. That's awesome for our sport. There's a boom coming, you know, the last time sports got shut down more than when it was, when nine 11 happened, the last time sports was shut down was uh, in the forties. We were shut down for four years. Everything except for baseball was shut down in this country as far as sports. So, you know, cause there was tire shortages, fuel shortages, everything went towards world war two. And then in 1945, when it came back, from the upper levels of our sport to the grassroots level, there was this just ginormous boom. You had the most um, tracks ever built. You had a series and, and, and things just booming. I think this iRacing thing is so unique because I think it's almost like teasing us and teasing us and teasing us to where when this boom comes, I don't know. I just think we're, we need to be ready to harness it, you know, and, and, and celebrate the boom because the boom is coming. And I think the whole iRacing thing has kept me interested and wanting me to come back. And I can't believe I'm saying that because I'm not anti iRacing like Mike, you know, was back in the day, back in the day, you were a little harsh on them, but I just can't believe that it's actually teasing me enough and it's just making me want more. And I I can't wait to come back. And I think there's going to be a huge boom uh, that we haven't seen since those days in world war II. Well, I'd like to uh, I'd, I'd like to hope that same thing, uh, Matthew, and um, I think that that might be the uh, best thing I've ever heard you say on this podcast. Um, Not yeah, the shortest. Really... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it wasn't that long. Um, I thought it was really well. I thought it was really well put, and a uh, great job by you. Um, and I hope you're right. I really do. And it, while you were saying that, I tried to imagine in my mind what it's going to be like to walk out on a racetrack and hear a car pull out and go around and down the back straightaway. You know, picture yourself standing in the garage area at Texas Motor Speedway and hear a car pull out on the track in that first early morning practice and wind out down the back straightaway. It's almost going to be like hearing it for the first time. It's really going to be a great experience. And I think that even us or anybody else uh, can't imagine how good that's going to feel. It's going to feel better than you, you think. Um, and until that time, I think iRacing has a great opportunity. Uh, they're, they're doing a great job. iRacing is going to capitalize, but I think that we, the sport, the industry and fans have a great opportunity to just enjoy it, just enjoy it. And I will say this too. Anytime anybody says the word video game in association iRacing, I stop listening right there. Um, you know, and I'm not going to get in the argument of, is it, how real is it? How, you know, you can think what you want to think. Um, but when you, when you're, when you're using that term video game to be derogatory, to put something, to put it down, to place it, to put it in this place where you think it belongs, I shut out. I'm not, I'm not paying attention. So I just think it's a great opportunity for us to, 
try to have something fun to do. We don't really, we can take it seriously because there is some, there's some implications. Uh, there is some good that can come of it. Some use that we can, good use that we can put it to for ourselves, for our own businesses, for our own organizations. But we can also have that balance of fun and enjoyment and, and, and not, you know, I, I was a little annoyed with myself and how annoyed I was at Garrett Smithley wrecking me at Bristol. I was like, why am I, I shouldn't be annoyed at this. This is not, you know, you know I, I, I hate he did it, but yeah, right? So. What about Kyle Bush wrecking you? Why can't we, I, yeah, come why, on. It was like way after the fact. I'm it calling didn't even matter at that point. We're getting back on right now. Uh, uh, it is. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to. He texts me. He's like, man, on my screen, we had a half, half a car length between us. And I'm like, well, it's all right. I'm cool. Um, he's like, how do I get people to not hit me anymore? And I'm like, well, that's just part of it. Cause I think he got run over a few times earlier in the race, but, um, Garrett Smith you know, said that on his screen, you were way clear. He didn't mean to wreck you. I, fine. I mean, I, you know, it is, it, it's totally fine. Um, you know, in the moment you get so wrapped up in it and it's so easy to push yourself into this space. that's really not healthy, you know, of, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure to perform, to compete, to do well. I don't really have that same pressure as maybe Bubba Wallace does or Jimmy Johnson or any of these other guys. I mean, there, there's a lot of pressure for these guys to, to put their brands on TV, to run up front, to learn on a really quick, uh, short uh, curve to get to where they can get that exposure. Um, and that's all you have right now is that on TV exposure right? You can't offer anything else. As, uh, there's no other, I mean, there's a little social media engagement, but if you're not running well, none of it works. And so, I don't know. I think we just need to remember why we're doing this. We're just trying to entertain people, but everybody wants to have a good time at it and everybody wants to be good at it. And um, Bristol was probably the worst case scenario, just kind of a perfect storm of a very, very, very challenging track and uh, a lot of various skill levels amongst all the drivers in there and a very short TV window to work in. Um, you know, so there's, there's times when the cars are crashing and, and they probably should throw a caution, but they don't because TV's running behind and we don't want to go over the hour or whatever. And then there's times when TV does want to caution, you know, because they need to put commercials on TV. Um, so it's a, it's a, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of people working hard to try to, put together this whole thing and everybody's trying to do it from different locations. This guy's over here at home and this guy's over here uh, doing his thing. So we should just enjoy it. There's a lot of people working hard trying to make something good happen. Hey, Dell Jr. Download. This is TJ Majors and we want you to come listen to our podcast, Door Bumper Clear. Yo, it's Brett Griffin. This week, my guy Timmy Hill is in the house. Freddie's guy, or former guy, Garrett Smithley's in here too for us to talk about the next-gen car, iRacing, uh, ranting, going to Lowe's, school teachers, you name it, we're talking about it. Hey, it's Freddie Kraft. And luckily, my actual guy, Bubba Wallace, didn't do anything exciting this week. But you don't want to miss us this week and every week. Listen and subscribe on Door Bumper Clear on all major podcast platforms.
right, it's time for the Valvoline segment. There are a lot of originals in the world, and man, there are a bunch of originals in motorsports. Well, Valvoline is the original motor oil, and that has inspired us to talk about originals here on the Dale Jr. Download. So, guys, let's go around the horn here and ask about a true original in our sport, Kale Yarborough. Dale Jr., you love Kale Yarborough. Um, what about Kale Yarborough do you love? I liked Kale Yarborough because he, you know, he's a little short compared to most race car drivers, but he he's very fiery, you know, and, and like a little stick of dynamite and didn't take no mess from nobody and stood up for himself. And, and his career was really uh, interesting to me too. And, uh, he, you know, he kind of starts out in stock cars. Then he has this little Indy car deal where he goes and runs the Indy 500 and, and messes around with that for a little bit. And then he comes back to stock cars again. He drove for the Wood Brothers, one of the most potent uh, teams at the time, and uh, ended up over at Cal uh, Yarborough where he had a lot of success, three championships in a row. Nobody ever thought that that would be uh, broken. And um, obviously, he was uh, he was well known for a lot of things. Uh, the fight in in 1979 at Daytona 500, uh, where him and Bobby Allison, Donnie Allison, got into it after the end of the race, where they had to crash down the back straightaway, um, running at over 200 miles an hour at Daytona and crashing on his on his on his second lap uh, in Daytona, flipping over in the Hardys number 28 car that Hardy's car was really iconic uh paint scheme that he was he was really popular for and uh you know he just he became an owner uh and really put a lot of effort behind I think being an owner and had some reasonable success when you go back and look at his teams and the performance that the cars had there were a couple of high spots um in in his ownership tenure you know, he hasn't changed much. We, we ran into him a couple of years ago when we ran a Valvoline paint scheme at Darlington for throwback weekend. And he came out uh, to, to talk to us because he also ran a Valvoline paint scheme himself in uh, around 1981 with MC Anderson as uh, in the number 27 car. And he really is the same guy, you know, and obviously the, he's up, he's up there in years and his body's, train him a little bit his knees are bad and this and that and the other but the personality is still there and I just really liked him uh I felt like that you know he reminded me a lot of my dad in uh in his personality and attitude and approach to racing he was he was pretty aggressive uh raced hard and 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 uh I don't know you know he just had this and he had this he had this he had this aura uh, you know, this, some people have it and some don't. Some drivers come into the sport, a lot of drivers come into the sport with no aura, no it. And they're just they, they're just who they are and they bring nothing else to the table. And he, like a few drivers, really become bigger than life, you know, more than human. The popularity and so forth transcends just the bubble of racing and motorsports. You know, he did – after he one day Tony went on Dukes of Hazard, I'm a little kid watching Dukes of Hazard at night, and there's Kelly Yarborough on my TV. <laughs> That's crazy, you know, because we didn't see race car drivers 
on TV unless they were driving race cars, you know. And um, so I'm like, wow, Kelly Yarborough is a big deal. Uh, this is back around 83, 84 when that happened. So um, I just liked him. I, I didn't, you know, the, when I'm a fan of a race car driver, there's one thing I, I, I want my driver to do and, and or, or not necessarily, I was, there's one thing I want him to not do, and that's disappoint me. You know, you're not going to win every race. You're not going to finish first all the time. You're going to break. You're going to crash. You're going to make mistakes. But don't get out of the car and disappoint me with anything you're going to say or do, you know, with your body language or whatever. And Kale never would do that. Kale never disappointed you. Uh, Dale Hart never disappointed you. Um, I think it's where I sort of uh, see the similarities between them because – Kel never said anything that he didn't mean, and he never said anything that you didn't believe was true, you know. And he had some dust-ups with some people. He sure, he sure did. And he had many opportunities to, to say the wrong thing or disappoint you as a fan, and he never did. Good stuff. I like my uh, race car driver to make race car sounds when <laughs> in the car. So when I uh, – you know, when David Hobbs told us that story last year, uh, that was one of the all-time greats. Listen, I know that just happened a few months ago to us, but that right there was the epitome of badass right there. <laughs> and when he uh, – well, like Dale mentioned those commercials too, looking back at some of those Hardee's commercials and stuff like that too, man. You know, when I think of Cal Yarbrough, I think of fried chicken. I think of biscuits. Say I think Cal of Yarbrough sandwiches. Again. And uh, Kelly Yarbrough. Oh, geez. Did yeah, I say it all. I think the northern, northern tone uh, in the Yarbrough part is interesting. <laughs> Kelly Yarbrough. Hey. <laughs> Carol Yarbrough. Mike, you say it. Kelly Yarbrough. Yar. Yeah. You say it too, just like him. Yarbrough. No, it's not Yarbrough. It's not Yarbrough. Yar yeah. That's like Leroy Yarbrough. Is not Yarborough. Kale Yarborough. Kale Yarborough. Kale Yarborough. Kale Yarborough. Yeah. Not yeah, Yarbrough. Exactly. Because if like. Yeah, bro. Yarborough <laughs> is Leroy. It's Leroy like It sounds like you put an L at the end of his name. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you say it. it, Dale. Say it again. Kale Yarborough. Am I wrong? Oh, a little bit. I, I detect it. Yeah, you I hear never an L? noticed it. I hear Yarborough. Kale Yarborough. Like Earl, like I'm saying yeah. the word Earl, Kelly Arborl. Kind of like how Southerners would say oil and be like yeah. Earl. Earl. And the Yankees, oil. Oh, let me tell you something. In this Valvoline read, I'm having to uh, really oh. change oh, the really? way I say that word. I do not oh, say that when I'm doing this word? read. Oil. 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 I say oil. Oil. Yeah. Oil. oil. I, I don't say I got to change oil. But I'm doing it for this read because I don't, I'm pretty sure y'all are going to. I was like, you know, babbling Motorola. Motorola. That's oh. funny as hell. I never picked up on that. Hey, Mike, give me the err. Yeah, I can't wait yeah, to hear Mike's tag. I, Mike. a bit. <laughs> I need a cord oil. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, no, that's really how I would say it. That's, it really is. That's bad. That's terrible. <laughs> you know, cord oil. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, here we, he here we like go. Like Carrie Earnhardt. It sounds so funny that's when he says Carrie it normally. Oil. Oil. That is how Carrie would say it. He would not say oil. Uh, like that hard on the Y. You're saying it like <laughs> olive oil. <laughs> olive <laughs> oil. Olive oil. <laughs> uh, 
Well, here we go. We're going to find out how it's going to be, Rick, because for 150 years, people have trusted Valvoline in their cars, and we've trusted them in our race cars, too. Valvoline, the original motor oil. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Uh, motor oil. Motor oil. Oil. I don't know how I say it. Motor oil. You, I know, I know how oil. you say it. Motor oil. I say it that way. Is that how you say it? I think it? so. That's how I say motor it. Oil. That's exactly how. Yeah, motor I oil. Say Everybody it. always says something about your ambulance. Ambulance. And I, and I noticed today one that like had me beaming today because I was like, that's <laughs> I know so exactly. awesome. <laughs> it's your uh, author. You, you say Arthur. Author. You say Arthur. So I was looking for a picture Arthur. of Arthur, the kid character, to send to Leap to you guys. <laughs> and I couldn't find it on my phone. Yeah. I was like, oh, and I, I picked up on that too. I was trying not okay. to giggle like out loud. But yeah, you see- <laughs> Are, y'all well, should no because whenever we, that, yeah. we i don't want you to be like why are y'all oh, laughing i at me? never missed a chance to call him out on that but i missed it i didn't hear him okay, arthur. he says it all he says like four <laughs> times in a row <laughs> it's amazing it's awesome. yeah arthur yeah, it's awesome arthur arthur arthur, arthur. arthur. <laughs> of that movie oh shoot i forgot about the movie hey did you know they they filmed part of arthur the movie at danbury race arena in connecticut the old lost no movie. and that song arthur's thing huh the song Arthur's theme to the mo- the theme to the movie is a great song. Just a great song. There's no words. Okay. I don't remember it. Damn it. This is I haven't seen that. In this is what I like to hear Dell say. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Here we go. Hey Siri, play Arthur's theme. Here's Arthur's theme, Best That You Can Do, by Christopher Cross. Yep. Why are we listening? Such a... This is Arthur's theme. There are words, I'm sorry. I know that won't make the pod. <laughs> it also such a great song. Hey, we didn't play. We didn't play enough to get it, sued. That's right. You got <laughs> to leave in there. Seconds. Dale, all right. Say this. You ready? Yeah. Signal. Say it again. Signal. He's being so careful. I know. Signal. He's saying it how he. No, that's right. Yeah, I say sing. No, that's what you say. Single. Single, you say like single, like you're Even single. single. Oh, like, like uh, M-G-L-E. I don't say single. Yes, you do. I say single. <laughs> I don't say single. I, I say single. N-E-L. <laughs> single. Single. See, that's that's how right. I say it. Yeah. It's still wrong. It's still wrong. I don't, but that's how I say it. I don't say single. I say the word single when I mean single. But for sig null, I go sing Sing null. It's like an extra N. Yeah, he throws another N in it. You just like another N in there. I think that sounds way better. (laughs) All right, let's move on. What do we got next? Good stuff. Last last call. I've taken that word and I made the word better. Is that what you've done? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Now we know it's better. This word is not clearly not good. It needs an N. (laughs) You gave it one. You gave it two or three. Signal. Last call. Last call. Or pour the pour the last call. Last call. All right, guys, time for last call. We're going to wrap up this show, but first off, I uh, want to tell you guys about 
you want some signed race gloves? I mean, who wouldn't want some signed skeleton race gloves? I'm going to tell you how you can get them. Uh, Go to pledgeit.org. That's pledgeit, P-L-E-D-G-E-I-T. Pledgeit.org slash Dale Jr. minus sign or hyphen relief. I don't like the word hyphen. Or dash. Dash is good, dash. So (laughs) pledgeit.org slash Dale Jr. dash relief. He said minus sign. I don't know why. I don't know why we couldn't make this a little simpler for people. Uh, Remember, put that minus sign in there. That is a a complicated web address, right? It is a complicated web address, but if you go there, (laughs) you can get – you can enter to win these signed gloves, and it's going to COVID-19 relief. So – uh, it's going to help some people out. How much? What you? How much money you got put in there, Mike? Twenty-five dollars. Twenty-five dollar donation. Right. And right. I checked it At out, and, and we've raised uh, so we've raised forty-one hundred dollars so far, awesome. and our goal is ten thousand. Oh my. Okay. Well, if we get to ten, I'll match it. Boom! There you go. Right. Dale Jr. will match just, it. And, and I'm, I hope I don't. You know, hope you believe me, because I will get to ten. <laughs> I'll match it. But today's show. I'm going to go on the Today Show. That's right. Ooh, this week. All right. This Thursday at 9 o'clock in the morning, sometime during the 9 o'clock hour, I'm going on the Today Show. I got a call with them either today or tomorrow to do a pre-interview, but uh, we're going to go on there and talk about iRacing and everything else. So that'll be fun. Yep. Uh, Dirty Mo Media merch. Go to DirtyMoMedia.com. Use the discount code DJD10, and I'm going to give you 10% off on anything you buy at DirtyMoMedia.com. Dirty Mo Media merch. Yeah, Lee is wearing Speaking it. of Dirty Mo Media. I got my shirt on. And, yep, that's nice. Awesome. Good looking shirt. I love the shirts. Very good. Uh, the Dale Jr. Download TV show is returning to NBCSN next Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, 4 p.m. Back on TV. Yeah, we're Ooh. back. Uh, and I'm excited about that because I love our show and I think that we belong on TV. So, um, that'll be fun for us, fun for everybody who sees it. Also, this week, it's Racing Week in America on NBCSN all week long, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're going to have races on iRacing with a with a select few drivers. we got about 16, 18 guys. We're going to have match races. There's six drivers in each race. Mm. We're racing at Rockingham oh. on Monday. On Tuesday, we're going to... Lucas Oil Speedway, I like to call it. IRP. There we go. Um, yep. And then Wednesday, we're going to go to Myrtle Beach. Whoa. And then the yeah, yeah Myrtle Beach Speedway. The final race, the final race for all the marbles, the championship will be at Martinsville. Um, and only the winners of those, the, there's two There's two races in each track. And the winners of those races go to the Martinsville main event. And then Steve Letard also gets to pick a uh, – a provisional from each event too so i might need to rely on that at myrtle beach because i'm going to get some pretty tough competitors in our race but um yeah i racing each uh each day on nascar america will have an i racing component it'll be a short uh, little match race i think people will enjoy what we put together and uh and there will be i believe um beyond that and uh, you know we'll continue to have a creative unique uh i racing component on the NBC Sports Network. So excited about that. Also, we talked to her today on the on the podcast, my sister Kelly, her book, Drive, 
Nine Lessons to Win in Business and in Life is out now. You can order it wherever books are sold or go to kellyearnhartdrive.com. That's kellyearnhartdrive.com. It's a great book. I promise you're going to learn a lot about not only the success in her life and the business lessons she's learned, the nine lessons that she wants you to, to learn about to win in business and in life, but also about her childhood. And I'm excited for that. All right, guys, that's the end of the show, man. I appreciate everybody tuning in. It's been uh, been a lot of fun to put this one together. And uh, can't wait the next week, man. Hold on one second. I got something for the end. I like when he calls an audible. Yeah. Screen time. We talked about it last week. Eight hours and three minutes from March 22nd to 29. Um, Mike, you told me to put my phone where it automatically closed after a minute. Yeah. Only down to six hours. So I lost two hours. But that's that's significant. A day. Two is, hours a day, is. right? Yes, sir. And so this week I'm only averaging three up, you know, up up to today, I'm only averaging three hours in twenty minutes, twenty-six minutes. There you go. Congratulations on that. Mine went up fifty-six percent last week because now uh my girls are using it to do their schoolwork, my iPad at least. So it's up fifty-six percent. Feels feels like I have a problem and I should go to uh, seek counseling now because 56% increase is significant. We've long, we've long thought you needed help. Should seek counseling. <laughs> not for your TV, not for my iPad, or, uh, not for, your not iPad for my screen time. Consumption. All right. Enjoyed the show. I did too. All right. Let's uh, wrap it up. We'll talk to you guys next week. All right, guys. Have a good day. You guys too. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.